You're listening to High Shelf Gaming. Hey everyone, in this episode we bring on Scott, who plays Zorn in a lot of our uh, role-playing games here on HSG, and Scott organized all of the RPG Zone stuff at PAX South. So this episode we'll be breaking down PAX South, what we got up to, how much fun we all had, all the games we ran... Kind of talking a little bit about PAX South as a convention, which is pretty neat to get some insights there. Um, if you are listening to this episode because we're talking about PAX South and you're a big video gamer, this will probably be a disappointment to you because we are tabletop gamers talking about role-playing games. If you're looking for that kind of content, I encourage you to look further because though we have lots of cool things to say, it's you know maybe not about video games. I want to also take a quick second to thank all of our partners that helped make this year's PAX South even bigger than ever from a role-playing perspective. Of course, that's Artausorian Games for giving us a bunch of stuff to give away like Witcher books and all of those things. So a big shout out to those guys for supporting our efforts at PAX South and the Hot Springs Islands folk for uh, providing us some some items to give away as well. Super awesome for everybody. And I think we even got some more giveaways from other folks. It was just awesome this year. So a big shout out to those companies for showing up and repping and giving some love back to the community to share out with everybody who came to play games at PAX South. So without further ado, let's get into it. High Shelf Gaming is a podcast where David and Rich discuss tabletop gaming, everything from board games and role-playing games to gaming conventions. They provide reviews, strategies, tips, and house rules to enhance your gaming and convention-going experience. Hey everyone, David here with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I'm joined by the didactic Rich. Dave! I'm so glad to be here. I, you know, I was really big into dinosaurs when I was a kid, too. <laughs> It's not and what I was saying. I, I was love dinosaurs. the didactic so dinosaur was one of my favorites because <laughs> he could fly up. and he could swoop down. He was in the last Jurassic World too. They had that didactic was... uh, dinosaurs everywhere. <laughs> those are what? No, those were like Triceratops and crap. No, isn't the didactic one the one that flies in the sky? No, I, I don't know. Maybe there's a didactic dinosaur, but no, that's not what. No. <laughs> Oh, dear listener, this is the first time I've ever gotten Dave to question the word that he presented to me. Damn it. Damn it. I actually, this is a monumental event. You actually started to, you were Googling, weren't you? Didactic dinosaurs. I'm doing it right now. There's no didactic dinosaur. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. There's no didactic dinosaur. (laughs) You know. Like, I don't know. there's a thin thread where I was like, I don't know, freaking maybe there is one, but no, there's not. Thank goodness. (laughs) So didactic is one of those words that I think everybody should understand the definition of. Could you take a moment and share that with everybody that's listening today? (laughs) See, didactic for you, Rich, is kind of a play because it's for moral instruction. Things people should never come to me for. (laughs) I do that at work, too, when I'm in meetings and people use big words. I say, hey, everybody may not know the definition of that word. Tom, will you be kind enough to elaborate for everyone? And I know so this is work okay. mode, Rich. I get it. I get yeah, it. I know Are you on a work okay. call right now? Is that the thing? Pretty much I should be working right now, but, you know, <laughs> seven beers later, it's I'm done. Yeah, 
Yeah, of course, of course. Well, and and of course, joining us tonight is a dear friend of HSG and a a, a constant player in all of our role playing games on stream. Scott, welcome, or should I say, Zorn? Zorn. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, thanks. You know, I just got a cell phone message saying that the Spurs and Nuggets game is starting, so I'm going to have to probably just cut this short. <laughs> Yeah, and like you're into so many, you're into the Spurs for sure. But it's like I don't know. There's a game every day, as far as I can tell. So it's, it's every really other. It's every other game. Every other day, it actually ruins my life. Yeah. yeah. I, By I, the I way, they it. are they're up two zero right now. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not going to last very long. Um, <laughs> yeah, it ruins my life. I, I I have homework to do for grad school. I've got you know just things around the house that have to get done. And, yeah. but then the Spurs come on and I, I, everything gets thrown out the window. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then yeah. I, this year I get left crying at the end. <laughs> but anyway, it's great to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. Sorry for sidetracking things right there. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And so to give people some context, like obviously you're in our actual plays, you, you were in the, well, you've been in so many of our games, uh, but what do you do outside of joining HSG and all of our streams? What, what are your What's your gaming life like? My gaming life? Yes. What My, kind of gamer are you is what I'm asking here. I am a, I guess, a TTRPG player. I'm an RPG player. I've gone through many different phases of gaming in my life, and it just kind of, it just kind of blends and then all of a sudden like I find myself not doing one type of gaming that I used to like I don't play video games anymore and oh, that wow. used to be like a big thing right yeah. Spurs 6-0 just FYI <laughs> man that actually is really good alright guys I am going to have to go ahead and leave over <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, this is the good luck moment. Like while you're on podcast with us, they will not be scored against. Oh, see there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not going to happen. But yes, <laughs> I, I am going to think that way. So I guess you're asking me like this is this is this give my gaming history because I've or, watched I've watched your show before. I have. Yeah, sure. You, you know that you know the drill. You don't ha- you can do whatever you like to say. So like so what when games I was are you a young lad, or or where did you what's your background? Whatever no, you like, man. When I was a young lad. <laughs> In in the fifth grade, in nineteen eighty eight. Oh, nice. Um, I moved in with my grandparents, and I have an uncle that is six months older than I am. Oh, and he had a Nintendo Entertainment System. So, so in the house, effectively a brother, but technically an yes. uncle. Yes. Okay. Super Got it. Mario. And he had, yeah, he had a. a Nintendo Entertainment System, and he owned the game Final Fantasy. Yeah, and so that was my holy smokes. That was my first interactions with the letter RPG. Those letters, Mm -hmm. yeah, more than just one. So then I I moved to San Antonio. I got really into reading, and I had this like Mormon kid on my bus. Reading is good for you. Who introduced me to Dragons of Autumn Twilight? So, wait, 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 wait. So your first role-playing game was Dragons of Autumn Twilight? No, 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 no. He oh. introduced me to the novel. So oh, the reason I said okay. he, he yeah. was a Mormon kid, I didn't find that out until later when I realized that every author he introduced me to was a Mormon author. <laughs> <laughs> so like Orson Scott How Card. How crazy is right? that? Like Orson Scott Card and like Tracy Hickman, who did Dragonlance 
you know, the, those novels he was too. Yeah. So I didn't realize it. And then I, I never really paid attention to anything like that. But anyway, so he introduced me to the books, the Dragonlance novels. And I just like ate those up. So like my yeah. first candy, like inter- crack. Yeah. yeah so like so my good. first introduction to like D and D wasn't actually the game as much as it was just the novel series. And then, um, when in sometime in middle school, these kids asked me to play and they told me I had to play the cleric and I thought that was stupid. And so I didn't play. Um, <laughs> I thought Dude. maybe I played one session with them and then never played again or something like that. You know, it's is a long it, time ago. It, it's hard to isn't remember. It like the, isn't that the way it was back then? It's like, we need somebody to come in and like so many of the people come on here like, oh, they needed somebody small to play the halfling or the, oh, they needed somebody to play this or they needed somebody to play that. And like either you accepted it and then yeah. thus begins their D&D life or they reject it outright. I like that you're the first to reject it. It's like, no, I'm not going to play your shoe in pigeonholing me into a cleric thing. I'm not. Yeah. Doing it. Yeah. It just wasn't my thing. And so, like I said, I think I played one session with them and then just never did it again. Or maybe I played one or two and I just don't remember. I mean, that was like 30 sure. years ago or something like that. So then I never really played any RPGs again until high school. And then I actually ended up playing like battle tech. I played Star Wars, the second yes. edition, the six, the D6 West End games. Yes. So I did a lot of that stuff. And then I didn't actually play, start actually playing like, like actual D and D until like 2005, I went into like a half price bookstore and they just, you know, in Seattle and, and you know, they've got like, you know, that's where it's from. And mm-hmm. so I just bought like, they just had all these 3.5 books and forgotten realms books for like for cheap for, yeah, super dirt cheap. You know, I wish yeah. they were those prices these days. Uh-huh. And, um, I got into it. I was doing like the meetup.com stuff. Like, I don't know if you remember that website meetup. Oh yeah. It's still oh active. Oh my God. That is like, yeah. So this you, sounds you, a little bit like Dave showing up at Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. I oh, just, yeah, yeah, we yeah. just show up in like in Bothell or whatever, just North of, um, Seattle and would just show up to meetups and over, play. over by the spit wall. Yeah. Not by the spit wall. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a, okay. I've had plenty of gum stuck to that wall too. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I started doing that. I moved to San Antonio back again and like, I couldn't find anybody to play with. And so I ended up like getting rid of a lot of my stuff cause I couldn't find anybody. And the fourth edition came out and I played that and it sucked. I mean, it doesn't, it's probably a fine game. It just wasn't what I was wanting to play. No one liked it. Yeah. And then, but then all of a sudden I got invited to a hunters, the vigil game. Oh, Played that was so freaking cool. I love so that dark. one. I love. You know, let me tell you about my character. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, what's the, what's the topic tonight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> let me talk. You know, guys, you know, forget about the topic. Let's just talk about my characters. How about that? Yeah. So tonight we are talking obviously about Pack South and yes. all of the effort that you put into Pack South. I just really want to. I can't wait to hear how Pack South was, like lessons learned, all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was, and you cool. know, that's an interesting part too. Is Scott, you didn't really go through the, wow, when did you leave gaming to start becoming um, more of a, a runner of games? Oh, um, you know, so I ended up getting my role that I play at Pack South by just joining the Pathfinder Society. So the very first year that Pack started, I went just as a an attendee. I was there to play board games and win, you know, board game tournaments at yes. PAX. Like, that's what I was there for, for the first yes. year. Like, I'm friends with a lot of people that are super into all kinds of, like, competitive board gaming. But anyway, 
So the second year that I was there, that's when I had gotten involved with Pathfinder Society. And I was there as kind of like the backup person who was helping the person that was scheduling the RPGs for Pathfinder there. Next year, it became my job to organize everything. But I started noticing like, so that's when kind of Adventures League just blew up at PAX South. Like people would be just like, the line for that was insane. Just right at the beginning, every single day, a huge, huge long line. And nobody cared about anything else, right? Wow. Like it was like, oh, hey, come try. That was sure different this year. Yeah. Well, like, so it was two two years ago. And then every, nobody seemed like like Starfinder had just came out and like nobody could seem to really give a crap there. And everyone just wanted everyone wanted to play fifth edition. Everybody wanted to play fifth edition. And that's cool. And so I was like, man, like I need to do something different to utilize this space. Cause at that, by that time I was more into like, Hey, not everything's Pathfinder. There's so much other stuff out there to play. You know, I was getting a little disillusioned with society play anyway. I was like, man, I, next year I got to do something different. And then next year came around and I was like, Hey, this is my idea. Let's, let's do it this way instead. Let's bring in other games as well. And nobody answered me. Mm. And nobody replied to any of my emails. And so I said, well, I guess they just don't want to do that or whatever. And then three weeks before the convention, they emailed me and were just like, oh, whoops, we forgot to hit the send button. (laughs) We love your idea. Everything you did is brilliant. But we haven't told you until just now. Yeah. And they were just like, go ahead, put something together. And I was just (laughs) like, little did they know the monster they were creating when they said that. Yeah. And so I scrambled and I was able to put, uh, it was really disappointing to be honest with you. I was really disappointed. I was a little depressed about it. Uh I just was really down with how it turned out. And I was like, you know what, next year, I'm not going to let this happen again. Like this is not going to happen again. And so with with three weeks of runway, it is really tough to coordinate multiple games, multiple GMs, tables, all the stuff that's needed to run role-playing games at a convention. Like, I don't think a lot of people who just show up, you know, you show up and you get the experience of sitting down and playing a game with a person. But for mm-hmm. all of that to be possible, there was a lot of work that went into the back end for that table and oh, that person and, and, and for you yeah. to all meet in the right place at the right yeah. time. And even the time he started, you know, we were talking, I think, after you had started months and months ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this year, I def- I got together a committee on my end of people that were going to help me out like yep. in March. <laughs> and then I think I approached you guys say, Hey, you guys want to be like the sponsoring thing? Cause the one thing I didn't have last year was a sign and I could really use a sign. And so you guys were on board. And then, um, I did a survey over the summer to see what games people really wanted to play. And then I just kind of based it off of that. And I said to say the very first year, there was maybe two or three tables of gaming for D and D and for pathfinder and that was like it there was no dividers it was just three tables or four tables like right next to each other within like you know a few inches of each other and different games going on and then the next year it was kind of the same and then um then they were like hey let's start doing it at night but i couldn't that was the the just didn't have the people couldn't find the people for it with just the pathfinder stuff in order to do games all day long then we moved up from four tables to five tables the year that it was a kind of a fiasco and uh, all the games ended like at five, you know, six o'clock. And then <laughs> yeah. this year we had, we did six tables. They all went from, you know, the start, like I think 11 a.m. all the way up to like 11 or so. Oh, yeah. And, and we, as we were wrapping up 
you know, I ran the end of the day games. And as we were finishing up, you know, we were some of the last tables that were yeah. in that area. I mean, there were people running games and playing games in that section. I think the exhibit hall had been shutting down. Vendors had been shutting down, but um, yeah. we were going strong. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the vendor hall closes at six and then the, the few vendors that are in the gaming area, I think they start shutting down at eight and then gaming's allowed to go until midnight. So See, oh, I nice. was getting out of my, so, I was, you know, the way they did the gaming rooms were so nice. Imagine yeah. a nice big round table with lots mm-hmm. of chairs. So number yeah. one, there were more chairs than people. Good. And you were in these, um, you know, when you go to any uh, convention, they put up that, that, those pipes and then they hang drapes from the pipes. So it's like every game had their own little personal room that they were mm-hmm. in. You know, the drapery is kind of thin, but it is enough of a material that it really stops the other groups from coming into your table. That's Whereas, good. oh my God, Scott, you remember the games we ran at Gen Con? I'm sure yeah. I was annoying you because I was facing you DMing. Yeah. <laughs> and you no, were no, I didn't getting, hear you. You were getting a mouthful of me as you were DMing and, <clears throat> you know, we're hearing each other back and forth because of our tables. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, it actually wasn't that bad. I think I was kind of. I'm I sorry. Was, I was earful. Playing, I was playing, yeah. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. But no, like that's a really good point. Is that because you guys have this smaller space, a little bit more planning, you can do some draping between the tables to baffle the sound just a bit. Well, that's something they they do. We didn't bring any of that stuff. They did it themselves. They actually did it the year before as well. But instead, really? they didn't have curtains. So if you can think of a booth that normally has a curtain on the back, right, at a yeah. convention booth, well, then they put curtains on the sides as well. So it broke up all the tables like into little curtained off stalls. That's but awesome. But there was no there was no front curtain. Sure. And some of the people from the Adventures League side, and it's a great idea because, I mean, I lost my voice from GMing and stuff, trying to talk, you know, loudly for everybody. Yeah. Some of the Adventures League guys had brought, um, like, like head microphones, like the, you know, little thing you clip on your ear and then comes around your mouth. And then they had themselves like little portable speakers. What? And so, but then they were aiming them right across the aisle into the booth in front of them. Oh, and it geez. was like, so both tables was like, it was hard for the GM at the table without a microphone to like talk to his players because oh. of that. And so I had told them that. And so this year they put curtains on the front of the booths as well. And so that would take out, but this, this year, nobody brought microphones and speakers. So it was I like, can't well, believe they had little microphones and speakers. When I heard that, as we were talking about the year before, I was like, Whoa, I, you know, as, and it's as not a bad idea. It, what I really liked the idea was maybe assisted listening devices. Imagine a little Bluetooth receiver. Someone could put over their ear. Oh yeah. And you're mic'd to where the people that don't want it, they can hear you just fine. But someone that maybe needs a little bit of assisted help, in their yeah. hearing, they have something that's Bluetooth that they can listen to. Oh my God, I wonder if there's an app for on the iPhone for that. We're going to have to add that to DM tools. Back to you, Scott. <laughs> back, to, back to me. <laughs> okay, so on this year, one thing that I noticed is I need to run more games next year. Because I would come in and, you know, visit, you know, I was running more of a night game. So mm. I would check in while walking through the exhibitor area or, you know, seeing vendors. And everything was already signed up for. Not only was every game signed up for, Scott, I'm pretty sure you ran a game or two extra 
because people yeah. were like, oh, we really want to play Star Wars or, oh, we really want to play Witcher. Uh, yeah. And you Aww. would get out there and make it happen. It was it was I, I really regret having done that. But, yes, I'm oh, sure really? it made a, made a lot of people happy. <laughs> Yeah, like I think I was supposed to GM, a, well, because I'm running it too, right? And so right. what happens is people will just pop into my game and ask me questions, and I feel bad for the players, you know. Oh, I see you. I hear you. Sure, sure. And yeah, so I, I, I think I was supposed to GM a total of eight hours worth of games over the entire three days, and I ended up GMing like maybe close to. 30 people were just like well we have a whole group and we want to play and i'm like i looked at them and i was just like look i've got a game in my bag it's called a thousand dead babies if you want to play a game you can play that otherwise (laughs) sorry and it was funny because one of the couples had a little like baby like an infant in a stroller and they both looked down at the baby and they both looked up i'm like look babies only have to die if you let them and they all looked at each other and they laughed and like, okay, let's play. So we played a thousand oh, babies. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, no, it was it is so funny too. Oh my god, so, Scott! But that went really that that game went pretty good. I played an extra game of Dragon Lance DL one. I played a second session of that. And dude, the people that played in my games were all great. And I want to say experience wise, there was one guy in my second game that knew all about uh, basic. He knew all the OC OSR. There was people that, boy, this was their first time to play D and D. And we were having to explain the dice. Like, okay, the one that looks like a pyramid. Okay. Yes. The one that looks like this and, and the cube roll the D six, but they, you know, they didn't know any of the terminology. Yeah. Um, and then there was a lot of me, you know, medium. Yeah. We, we play, we couldn't wait to see this, you know, but everyone had great attitudes. Everybody was there to have yeah. fun. Everybody paid attention. Everybody was engaged. I want to say one of my highest rated aspects of a game that I've been DMing at cons before was the engagement and participation of the attendees. How was your games? They're all right. (laughs) I did have one game that had like a six year old girl that played, but she was very, she was very clever. She played Tasselhoff. Was that the thousand dead babies game? No, that was a Dragonlance game. The one that okay. I crammed a four-hour session into two hours, and Good. she played. She played Tasselhoff or Tasselhoff from Burfoot, which I don't know if you've ever read the books, but it, anyway, it's like a like a halfling. They're called Kender, but whatever. And she's like, "I don't want to play a boy." And I'm like, "Okay, well, it's Tasselhoff. It's a girl. Look, it has a ponytail." And she's like, "Oh, okay." See that? Okay, now that's actually really important. It's really important because like little girl wants to go learn how to play D anD D, but all the NPCs that are pregens are all boys. Right. Yeah. So well, good on you for for mm-hmm. for working with that and oh, being like, yeah. okay, here's here's a girl, and we're gonna change the name so you can identify more with this character. Like that's really important to that player going forward because now she knows this game can be for her. Yeah. Oh, no, By definitely. the way, rich pro tip: never name or give give a gender to your characters that you bring. I always leave everything nameless, and I leave it all for them to fill in, so they yep. can see that little bit of uh, customization. Yeah, I mean, with that game, it's a little different because that game is the Dragon Dragonlance DL one module where you That's actually take right. you take you take the role of one yeah. of the characters from the book. So it's um smart move, slightly different, but I definitely agree with you. The pregens I normally have for a thousand dead babies that I keep with me all have names, but they're really goofy characters and stuff like that. And you know, if people want to gender bend them, they can. I don't really care. But they have names like 
like Kale Blanche and and Becky with the good hair, stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) As far as the con, like as far as the RPG, it's really funny because I feel like the con is shrinking while the G in the RPG section growing. Really? Well, like this year, there was no major developers as far as video games go. None of the major developers showed up. Um, And why that is, I don't really know. I I heard rumors it's because they moved PAX East from April to February and the big developers were like, just, well, we're just going to pick one. And they went with East because there's more people in attendance at that one. There was still lots and lots of indie game developers, a lot of the RPG company showed up and so the con seems like itself is shrinking but at the same time you know i talked to a lot of people who are just like oh pack south is my favorite to go to right um, because it doesn't feel like we're we had that conversation yesterday yeah last week uh with riley yeah yeah Yeah, they were like i pack south is my favorite con it's the best one of, of the lot yeah, a lot of people are just like, it's chill, it's relaxed, you can sit down and just have some fun and not worry about, And because the convention center is a pretty large convention center. Like the RPG se- you know, section, we went from having like eight tables the first couple of years, and then all of a sudden now it was up to like 13 tables last year, and then this year it was up to like 25 tables. That's awesome. And again, packed the entire time. And it was packed the entire time. Like the very first day, it took us two hours to fill up all of the games for the day. On Saturday and Sunday, it took 25 minutes, 30 Whoa. minutes at the most. You know, we were telling people they need to show up right as the you know doors open and they were showing up like the doors open at 10. It starts a little later than some cons, but the sure. doors open up at 10 and by 10... 30 all the games were filled and then people would be showing up at like 10 45 i'm like how oh, sorry the games are filled and they're like what do you mean you said to get here at the start i'm like yeah like at the start like wow. hit. so so but, wait, how, did, how did people sign up for games because that's, that's you, one of the things that like it packs unplugged there's an app and i can go in and check in and say i want to play and then walk in and wait in line the doors open and you can hurry your took us up to the registration booth uh, the Adventures League had their own table for signing people up. And then I had the Pathfinder Society people with me with all the other games. Because I let the Pathfinder Society uh, person who's in charge of that here in San Antonio like schedule his own games this year. Let me do a little bit of housekeeping on this one here. That A, and you can stay on the, the, the San Antonio Riverwalk at so many places. And if you stay there, you just walk out onto the river walk and you can follow that to the convention center. One day it was kind of windy and cold, but we were down by the river. No problems. The wind's not biting. If you want to go a little faster, you can hit the streets and get there a little faster than doing Mm -hmm. the river walk, which is a little bit more scenic and there's people walking. So they might slow you down. Food was great. Even in the convention center, I had a hot dog. And it went great. They had yeah. a nice little food area going on. Um, I did have one of those. I also had sushi. They had the what? sushi there. It was not that bad either. See? So they had good food inside. And if you went outside, there was great food and drinks everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the Denny's right over there. Did we go to Denny's or we'd meet at IHOP? We had breakfast at Denny's. At Denny's, yeah. They had a little yeah. Denny's right across the way. So, I mean, it had very good accessibility for being a convention. It was really easy to do. The only There's thing I would complain to about... just across the street there, too. Oof. Yeah. The only thing you I would complain about are all those damn birds. 
all those um, oh, motor scooters. Gra- grackles? No, no. No, motor bird scooters. motor scooters. There oh. are a lot of grackles there, too. But I think he, yeah, yeah, downtown San Antonio has become just a litter house of motor, of, of scooters. Well, that's just like Gen Con, right? Yeah. It's, it's like a, Man. it's like barnacles stuck to the side of a whale. Just it everywhere. was exactly what it felt like. It was really bad right outside the convention center. <laughs> well, you, you could know, only like walk one person in a row past them all. <laughs> it was like, yeah. how many are downtown It's like a boneyard. <laughs> it's a I mean, boneyard I've literally, full of scooters. I don't like them. I mean, I understand the, the purpose of them. I just, sure. I, I literally cause saw. accidents and, and well, you know, there was, <laughs> get people I in saw the hospital. This, I saw this one thing where there was just scooters all over the sidewalk. And it was a small sidewalk. And this person who was in a wheelchair had to get off the sidewalk, roll oh, no. into the street, and go down the street in their wheelchair because the stupid... I know like, that section that you're Scooters talking about. were everywhere. It was it was like crazy. And I was just like, man, like this is a it's a safety hazard now because right. here is this disabled person in in the middle of the street. And that's not safe. Right. And right. a they shouldn't have to be in the street, you know? Yeah. So. And the people at the convention, though, for phenomenal. I mean, yeah. I would be walking around. You might bump mm-hmm. someone and they were like, oh, sorry, as you're saying, oh, sorry. They had great age range, younger people to people my age and older. They had, um, it was a really lots of room to where, as you talk about people thinking PAX is like their con, I get it. I get it. The hospitality, all the things you can do and see, it was really good. Yeah. yeah. There's only like one negative thing about PAX South that I have. And that is that it's it's a five year old con that's just never found its identity. Ah, and so year one came and it was like apparently the first year was like the most attended first year Gen Con ever. Like the very first Pack South, like we just busted their records of first time, you know, uh, for a con. Yeah, and. All the big developers were there. It was tons and tons of panels, and it was really cool. Year two, every single RPG podcaster was there. Like, all the Twitch streamers were there. You're anybody who was anybody in the live play RPG scene. You know, deal scene was there. I don't know about the critical role people. Maybe they were there or not, but like a lot of like the Adam Corbells and whatever, like they were all there. Right. And Twitch had a huge presence there and it was just huge. And then they, and that's what, and then all the panels were all about starting your own RPG stream and, oh, and doing yeah, so this. It's like and, serving a very specific. Yeah. And all the panels were about indie game creation and, you know, running your own RPG and, and, and stuff like that. And like how to, you know, run RPGs with different personality types and, and, and everybody was like, all right, cool. You know, because we have such a, there's a huge board game scene there. They had the indie board game showcase there. They had all these Twitch streaming RPG people, all these RPG panels and board game panels going on. And we were just like, all right, cool. Pack South is going to be the tabletop convention. Like mm. that's what this is going to be. We're going to be the tabletop convention. That's what it's going to be focused on. And then all of a sudden they announced PAX Unplugged. Right. And all those people that had come to PAX South the year before were like, oh, well, okay, well, we're all going to go to Unplugged now. Right. You know? And so everybody was like, um, okay. So, and then that's just when PAX South just started getting smaller and smaller. Where it was like, well, you don't have an identity anymore. And so 
I feel like if it is, like I said, like I don't know anything, it could very well be San Antonio next year and everything's fine and there's nothing to worry about. Everybody who's talking like, like, oh my God, this is going to never going to happen again, whatever. I'm not saying that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anything. I'm nobody important. And well, I'm worried that you're not going to be like but the, the person know. running the show. Yeah, like, you're does. the guy who runs the show down there and you're has important been for to years me. now. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it, it is what it is. But it's just kind of like they need if if it is going to continue, they need to find like an identity, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't think East has so much an identity, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's the one that's by Boston and it's really close to New York. And so there's a lot, you know, those are big, massive population areas right. that are drawing from it. And I think they made a big mistake by putting PAX East so close to PAX South. And right. and I don't know the reason. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Maybe sure. convention space availability or whatever. Right. But I really feel like if, if they're going to make South work, they need to really find a niche. And, and, you know, this year they had a lot of gaming and Spanish panels and oh, stuff. And maybe cool. that is the niche. Maybe, maybe they start, you know, really trying to tap into the fact that, you know, Mexico is not, all that far away and there are definitely loads of people willing to come up we're from bringing Mexico. hugo and fernando next year guys you're on notice that's yeah. right <laughs> if that's they right. go for that theme next year we're we're getting them there yes. yeah and i mean and, and if, if that is what they're going to like add to it and make it more of a you know definitely put some spanish programming into that i mean i think that's a great thing especially considering you know such the rich cultural history san antonio has you know it is definitely i mean it's a 70 percent hispanic population in right. san antonio right and so i i think that would be a great identity to have I do think, I mean, because the very first year, the first two years, maybe they didn't have Acquisitions Inc. at PAX South, but the last three years they have. And mm. so there's a lot of people that look forward to that. And they finally put it in the evening once all the, a lot of the other stuff is, 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 done. is done. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. I, I just feel like it's a, it's a con that a lot of people appreciate because it's, it is super friendly. It's kind of laid back you don't have to worry about like really bumping into a million people um but you know it's it's struggling to find an identity and hopefully with this uh with the spanish uh language stuff and then you know if they can find their timing a little bit better with east then Right. Maybe we can see a resurgence. I hope so. And if, you know, with the RPG guys talking what their big plans are for next year, then, you know, we can be looking at doubling the amount of space. So, oh, that'd be awesome. It'd be, really but if they're going to do, I tell you what, though, like currently, we didn't, even though all the rooms were packed, if we had doubled the space this year, there wouldn't have been enough players to double the space. So that would require definitely some more promotion on their side to get more well, people to say, it, hey, Come play some RPGs. And one thing to do that would be get us into the app. Like right now, everything has to, they have to walk up to the table. Like there's barriers to find and get to play because you have to like show up at the right time and sign up. And, you know, as soon as, as soon as you turn away one group, they start walking away. There's another group that would have been walking up and they said, oh no, the registration's already full for the day. Right. Yeah. And so like, and and so I imagine that there were more players possible if they thought they could just play, they would have done so. 
you know, but yeah, like, it's no, just, I agree. Yeah, like, I think that, like, just a little bit on their part, especially getting the RPGs into the app next year, if they can swing that, would would very quickly increase numbers. Because when I was at PAX Unplugged, dude, all the role playing game rooms, they were full. They all mm-hmm. had people in them playing games constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that's Unplugged's business, but also those games were all mentioned in the app, right? Yeah. And they know kind of what audience to expect for each game. And so they could give them appropriate spacing. Yeah. So I'm hoping to have a little bit more robust way of finding GMs because there was a lot of people there who were like, well, I didn't know about this. How can I GM for next year? And I'm like, great, right. man. You know, I don't know exactly how I started a Facebook group for maybe possible GMs. I hate Facebook, but whatever. Well, then, uh, yeah, there's people who joined our Discord asking about uh, GMing next year at PAX South. They were like, I really oh. loved it. The whole experience was so great. I want to do it. Great. I said, I said, well, get in touch with, with Scott because he's the guy. Yeah. Um, and I so, probably scared them. No, no, absolutely not. They showed up. They enjoyed the heck out of their time and said, I want to participate next year and I want to put in. No, I probably um, scared them on G- on Discord because nobody oh. asked me about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll tap them again. <laughs> but yeah, the the idea is that like it's awesome that there's this momentum, and I hope that these changes enable the momentum to continue. Right. That's yeah. that's the thing. Is that like I understand change happens, and we got to yeah. we got to adapt to to the new folks that are are coming in to help and work with, right, and not work against. But I'm really excited for that future. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited too. Yeah, you know, I think my in-closing thoughts are, it was a really great con. You guys heard a lot about what I said about the people, the place, the environment. Yeah. Definitely going to GM a lot more because, um, you know, Scott was great and uh, had me signed up and doing a few things, but gave me time to check things out, right? Played some two dungeon. That was great. But the rest of the con necessarily isn't my type of con. And that is not a negative. It's a it's a thing about me, right? You know, I walked through the areas. I looked at stuff. There was lots of really cool stuff. I liked all the VR section, but I'll never buy one of those. And, you know, all the video games, my God. I mean, if it's not Firefly or if it's not Doctor Who, I'm not playing it. Mm. So there was a lot of video games that were there that I just looked at and was like, oh, that's cool. And, you know, they did have some board game folks there. You know, one of the ones I saw that I really liked was from Lucky Duck Games, Chronicles of Crime. It's like this augmented reality game uh, that's on a board. What? You remember the Spot It games where you would look and try and find something? Sure. Imagine there's a crime scene and you put your VR phone headset on and you're in the crime scene looking for clues. That was pretty neat. That was a nice. neat mix of augmented reality or virtual, whatever. I don't know what you'd call it because it really wasn't augmented. It was you put the you put the place you're going on and you had a virtual experience with it to look for clues. Um, it looked really neat. It has a really good score, like 8.0 on BGG. So oh, wow. I'll probably pick that up maybe at Gen Con and uh, break it Is out. Is it there. something you could do with like the Google Glass stuff where it's like you're you just got on it. your cell phone? Oh, you yeah. Got it. Easy, they had easy, it even easy, with, easy. Yeah, they had it even without cardboard. You could just say, I don't have cardboard and you're like looking around as a panoramic view. Oh, um, cool. But if you put the goggles on, it looks really neat. But they were very small. Dice guys were there. That's always big. So, you know, I, I think uh, I can't wait to go back and I hope it's in San Antonio. Yeah, me too. I bought one game when I was there. Oh, what'd you get? I got Bluebeard's Bride. Oh, yeah. It's, it's I've heard a, a lot of good things. RPG. Uses the Powered by Apocalypse system. Yeah. Um, I guess you you play not as a character, but you play as a figment or a, as a part of a 
of Bluebeard's bride's like uh psyche. Like you play like a Right, you're one of the voices. Yeah, you're like one of the voices in her head as she's trying to escape from Bluebeard or something like that. The thing is, I didn't really know anything about the game. I didn't look it up, but the book itself was just like amazing looking, like the the art and the I've heard nothing but just, great things about Bluebeard's yeah. Bride as a game. Yeah, it just looks super cool. So I went ahead and oh, that and I got Mothership. I got all the Mothership stuff. That's like the the sci-fi OSR style game, oh, wow. whatever, by some people in Dallas, and it's just got huge ratings. Like before Free League came out with their Aliens RPG, like a month ago or so. Um, if you oh, wanted yeah. to play like a, an Aliens style like horror sci-fi game, then you would go pick up mothership so mm. i'm looking forward to kind of looking through it Sweet. i haven't had the chance but those are what i got anyway sorry that's awesome anyway. that's awesome yeah i i i like hearing about new games i like hearing about uh, people's take on them so i'm really curious what what you think once you actually get to crack them open you know funny thing is i probably never will because <laughs> you're in collection mode <laughs> i'm just in collection mode by the way halftime spur 67 nuggets 53 Oh, oh, we're over over ten points. That's yeah, um, that's, that's pretty good. solid. It's pretty all about solid. the third period, though. <laughs> this is the crack when it when cr- that's when everybody crumbles that's and it's so like, funny. what? Come on, guys! That's so funny. Well, anyway, I, I think with that latest Spurs update, we should probably give you a chance to talk about all the things that you're working on and uh, things that people can be looking out for, ways to getting a hold of you. All of that good stuff, because I know you got some projects. Uh, I and do. I, I hope you get to talk about them right now. Yeah, so let me talk about my main project is playing uh, Maisley, the psychotic ghost-seeing girl on the Blades in the Dark live play that we will be playing Wednesday. Yep, yep, here um, on HSG all, every Wednesday. All my, all my focus is on is trying to like summon the inner 13-year-old psychotic girl. It's like it's like Sixth Sense meets Wednesday Adams. Yeah, Sixth Sense meets Wednesday Adams. I've just been really thinking about the character and like I'm gonna really bring it. You know, I not, can't wait. Not with the modded out vocal voice. Thank I God. <laughs> that sounded so creepy during character yeah. creation. Well, if it sounded creepy, that's what I'm looking for. No, no, it's like your voice was crackly because like it wasn't. It wasn't like it was skipping skipping frames or something like that it was just like i paid 11 bucks for that voice mod dude you should get your 11 bucks back (laughs) yeah i should um let's see so there's that and then i've started a ttrpg publishing company ah yes yeah it's called storywood games we are in the middle of laying out our first game it's called 1886th uh, we did play tested at PAX South. That went over really well. We will start artwork in about two or three weeks after the initial layout is kind of done. Um, we have a little bit more writing to do on some like added adventures that'll come with it. But it's basically it's a it's a Western themed RPG that uses a deck of cards instead of dice. So you don't you each each player has a deck of cards instead of dice and you play a modified version of blackjack to resolve your whatever you want to do right and it's I like had no a, idea about this this mechanic that is so cool yeah and it's it's a it's a um gm is narrative game so the gm never will 
a GM doesn't have his own deck of cards. Like, you know, like if you're ah. playing D and D or if you're playing Pathfinder, you're like, okay, well the bad guy is going to attack you. And then the GM rolls a die and right. then it's like, Oh, did I hit your AC whatever? So in a GM as narrator only game, the GM says, okay, well, you know, bad Bart shoots his six shooter at you. And then do you, you as the player, do you want to do anything? Do you want to try to dodge? You want to take cover? Or do you just want to take the bullet? (laughs) Or do you just want to take the bullet, you know? And so you get to choose. And then if you decide you're going to try to dodge, then you use whatever skills you have available to you. And then you play a hand of blackjack to see if you're lucky enough to dodge, you know? Then the whole game is kind of built on the idea of like, you're pressing your luck. And so as you, as you take damage, you're not actually taking damage as much as you're gaining experience or as you get closer to death, you get more tools to like cheat death. That um, is cool. I, yes. I, I like the idea that like the GM, everything the GM says just succeeds unless the players mm-hmm. do something <laughs> to yeah, make exactly. like as a GM well, that makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a very interesting concept. I've never actually played a game like that. Never even heard of games like that until the writer of this game was like, Hey, come and, play this game that I wrote and I was just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Cause you know, whatever. And I went and played and I had a lot of fun and I'm like, well, Hey man, what are you going to do with this? And he's just like, I'm just gonna, I don't know, whatever. Just did it to have fun. And I'm like, well, how about I throw money at it and let's put it out. And he's like, yeah. And I found this really awesome artist who's down to do it. And, and so we're going to do it and then we'll see what happens after that. You know, am I going to take credit for being the creative person of the, of the deal. I'm just taking credit for knowing how to get a project off the ground. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, Hey, that, that's what it takes. You need a creative and you need somebody who can like launch it into space. Hell so yeah. that is awesome, yeah. man. I'm, I'm really excited about this. I can't wait to get to play test it at Gen Con. Thanks a ton, Scott. I'm so glad that PAX South was a success. I'm really curious about the future, loving the projects that you're on. Thanks a yeah. ton for coming on the show, dude. Really? Uh, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I never thought I would get to this point in my life. And here you are. It's like, it's like, it's already done. It's going to happen again. <sighs> All right. Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone. Yeah, who's half been time's almost over. Yep. <laughs> everyone who's been on. Thanks a ton for listening. As always, have fun and play well. Go Spurs, go. May all your roles be crits. <laughs> I almost said, may all your roles be Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening. If you like our style, please subscribe or rate, like the podcast within your app. It helps fellow listeners find us. We really appreciate it. So thank you. To join the community, you can find us on Twitter and Discord, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to get connected and join the fun. This episode is copyrighted by High Shelf Gaming LLC and is not cleared for broadcast or syndication without written approval. The music was provided by Lil Funky on YouTube and our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. Take care, friends. But to be honest with you, like you really upset me because you were just like, look, man, all you know is how to play like sports related (laughs) characters. And I'm like, no, sir. No, sir. I also know how to play creepy little kid characters. I'm going to demonstrate that fact. Dual faceted. Dual faceted.